Good morning, church. Super cool. I'm going to say this. This is what the Word of God says. Uh, You know, man may make plans, right? We make our plans, but God's purposes will prevail. We may roll the dice, but God determines where those dice are going to land. And so we can come in here with all these ideas of what we're going to do and how it's going to look. And the Lord's going to do what he's going to do. He's going to allow circumstances to come up because his perfect will will be done. And uh, like Michelle said, obviously, we're uh, <clears throat> we're lifting up Isaiah in prayer and, and we want to, you know, Lord willing, hear a favorable report that he's well physically, that he's not too banged up. And, uh, you know, the Lord's going to provide whether that car is totaled. He'll hook him up with a new one or however it works out. You know, Lord knows he needs to get where he needs to get to. And he he's a working man and he's trying to do what he's got to do to honor the Lord. So uh, praise God that it's not worse. Right. It could have been a whole lot worse. He could have been in a three car wreck and, you know, someone's ended up in the hospital. And, you know, it's uh, it's it's not that bad. So praise God for that. And even <laughs> with the whole acapella, the, you know what? It's real. Hey, baby. You know what? Because, and, and I'm not saying anything bad against instruments. I, I, I really enjoy instruments. I enjoy when, um, you know, when we had the, uh, the cajon going and uh, the guitar and all that. But when you do acapella, you can't hide. You can't hide, right? Your voice ain't hiding behind no instrument. And it, it's almost like that raw interaction between you and the Lord when no one's there. Because it ain't no front you can put on on your voice. Whatever's in your heart is going to come straight out. And I love that song. He's talking, he's talking about give us clean hands, give us pure hearts. You know, something that's uh, been going on in my household all week has been the teaching of guard your heart. From out of the heart, the issues of life flow. But the question you've got to ask is, well, how do I guard my heart? How do I guard my heart? Right? We need an application to it. It, it sounds great, but give me the application. How can I actually guard my heart? It said it in that, it said part of it in, in, in that song. You know, what you and I let in our eyes, what we gaze upon, what we view, be it out here in the world, be it on the television screen, be it on the internet, all that stuff flows to your heart. So if you're in here this morning and your heart's messed up, dare I say, we need to check and keep in check what we're allowing in our eyes, not only our eyes, but our ears. What are you and I listening to on a daily basis? What kind of conversations are we engaging in? Are we at work doing the water cooler talk and people, you know, gentlemen and women are talking crudely and rudely and talking vulgar about certain things. And you just get you allow yourself to get sucked into that. But you're like, really, I don't live like that. But, uh, you know, I don't want to seem like the odd man or the odd woman out. So I'm going to just go ahead and be quiet and and just be like, okay with it. Again, what we allow into our ears Go straight to our hearts. We know already our hearts are deceitfully wicked. So <laughs> it's kind of like extra, the, 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 the eyes and the ears. But when we have an understanding of who Jesus Christ is and who we are with him, who we are apart from him, then, you know, we get a better sense of, you know, I want to guard my heart. I don't want to just let any old thing infiltrate and just come on in and, and me just be OK with it. We were uh, we were talking yesterday morning um, uh, the leadership, the men we met um, at Pete's Coffee, we just chopped it up for a little bit. It was the first time we got, had, had met in person in months. And, uh, you know, it got brought up about a line of demarcation. A line of demarcation has to be drawn. That, that's what the Bible to me really is. That's what it signifies. It's God's holy standard of living, right? Right principles. What is the acronym? Basic instructions before leaving earth. There has to be a definitive line that you and I are refusing to cross for the sake of uh, disobeying God, for the sake of n- not bringing grief upon his heart because of our, our foul choices. It's, it's interesting. The whole idea behind repentance, it's not even about, uh, oh, I, I, I feel bad about my sin or, or, or woe is me. It's about, man, I've offended the God of all creation and I've grieved his heart, right? Uh, as we grow in our Christian walk, we, 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 we should become more aware of these things and it should grieve us 
when we find ourselves stepping out of line of God's will and like, man, Lord, I don't, I don't want to do that, right? I don't, I don't want to grieve the, the Holy Spirit who loves me and comforts me and does all he can to try to make me see the truth so I can have victory in all things, despite how difficult it may be. Hence, our brother Isaiah, you know, nice car, a big old engine. It, it's wrecked, you know, it's wrecked. But, but I, I, I believe in his heart, he's like, Lord, how, how can I honor you in this? Lord, you know what's going on in my life, and, 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 and Lord, see me through this. I'm going to share this real quick because I, I think it's interesting. Uh, you know, it's been a busy week, but I got some encouragement at my work this week. There's a gentleman that I work with. His name's Eric. He's a younger, younger guy, probably in his you know, mid to early 20s. And, you know, when you meet certain people and, and you can't put your finger on it, but it's something about them peculiar. You know, especially for a young person, you know, to uh, for this young man to 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 speak the way he speaks very respectfully. And, uh, you know, for me, 90 uh, percent of people, when I first meet them, they bumble my name. There's people I know I've been knowing all my life. They still bumble my name. They either don't they either don't say it right or they don't spell it right. <laughs> uh, you know, this young man, he, he 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 got my name right the first time I, I told him. And, uh, you know, to speed the story up, he, he had asked, uh, you know, some time ago, oh, you know, he, I don't know how it happened, but he was like, oh, uh, you, do you make beats? I was like, oh, yeah, I, I produce in my, you know, spare time. I, I like to, to do that. That's something that I, that, that I, I find uh, that, that's very uh, good for me, pleasing, uh, stress relief. And he said, oh, well, I sing. I said, oh, okay, cool, man. And he's like, well, maybe sometime on your lunch, man, I can listen to some of your music. I said, all right, whatever. That's cool. <laughs> Last week, he, he came up to me. I was on my lunch. He said, oh, yeah, you think I could hear some? I said, I said, sure. I said, uh, just so you know, I said, uh, you know, I, I make music for the Lord, though, now. You know, I, I make Christian uh, you know, music, and, 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 I, and I sample uh, different pastors I like hearing, and, and there's little messages in, in, the, in the instrumentals because I don't rap no more. I'm, I'm not doing that. And uh, he's like, oh, you know, that's cool, man. I, 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 I'm saved. I'll speed it up some more because I don't want to bore you with all the details. But I found it very interesting that this young man, not knowing me from anybody, as we got into our conversation, he said, you know what, my dad died in February. And he said, I was walking so hard with the Lord. I was on fire from the Lord. I was, you know, this and that. And my dad died. And, and he said, you know, I found myself going back and I'm smoking weed and this and that. He said, I found myself in, in, in the park the other day. And he said, I, I, I just... I was just, you know, praying. I was just talking to God. I said, Lord, forgive me of my sin. And uh, it struck me as, you know what? This is a genuine follower of Christ. This is a genuine believer. Because you, the reality is, we're, it's hard for us to be real with God. It, it's okay. It's okay if the baby's crying. It's not a big deal. It's hard for us to be real with God when nobody's around. <laughs> right? It's hard for us to be real with people that we know that are supposed to be real close to us. We hide things. We don't share who we are. And for this individual to not know me from David and for him to be like, this is where I'm at. That was a mark to me of a genuine sign of a believer. Yes, granted, whatever. All of our walks are nasty and grimy at times. None of us are perfect up in here, so no one can attest I'm sinless. We've all sinned. <laughs> We're all going to continue to sin at points. That's just part of this walk because we live in a fallen world. But it's, does it grieve your heart? I could tell that young man, it grieved him. And it was cool because the Lord gave me the opportunity. And I said, you know what? Hey, before you go back to work, can I pray for you? And I pray for him, you know? And, 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 and just that, uh, that encouragement of like, you know what? There's believers out there. There's people that are hungry for the Lord. There's people that may not be where they think they should be in Christ, or maybe they don't know him at all. But are we willing to stick our necks out and say, hey, I am a believer and I trust in Jesus Christ? Or, or again, are we those that shy away and we don't want nobody to know? Or we just want to be Christians in this little building where it's nice and comfortable because everybody believes the same as we? Or can we be willing to engage with those who we don't know? Like I said, I didn't know what was up with that gentleman. But, you know, the Lord was like, do this. Speak to him. Um, I'll share something real quick, too. I just thought it was it was pretty cool as we were meeting yesterday. And I don't know what happened, but 
all of a sudden I come out of, of ordering stuff at Pete's and, and Lou's chopping it up with, the, or maybe I should say Mark is chopping it up with Lou. It's a gentleman that was sitting at another table. And, uh, you know, us at this one table, we all share the Holy Spirit. And, and you, you have discernment. You could tell. Lou is, has wisdom, God's wisdom. So he didn't smash on the gentleman, but you could tell this man wasn't in his right mind. You could tell the, the, the difficulties of life he had succumbed to at some point. Maybe there was some kind of abuse. Maybe there was some kind of uh, drug abuse that had gone on. But this man was with uh, bags of papers. And I, I kind of caught a little bit of the conversation. He wanted to bring out legal documents and get information about this. And, hey, the government's tracking me and doing all this and that. And I don't trust them and, 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 and this and that. I'm looking for my wife. And, you know, it was very interesting. Because we could have easily, all of us that were there, it was Sal, myself, Daniel, and, and, and Lou. And we could have been like, hey, first of all, bro, uh, it's COVID, bro. <laughs> Step back. You kind of look mangy. You kind of look like you haven't taken a bath in a while. I, I really don't want you to be close to me or, or we're doing something. No, but that wasn't the case. You know, we, uh, the, 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 this group that I was with, we allowed the man to speak to an extent. And then we had to kind of rein it in, right? And, and hey, we are doing something here. But, you know, I was sitting there and I just had to ask them. And then I, I always ask people this when I'm in that situation. I say, do, do you know Jesus? Sometimes they say yes. Sometimes they say no. It's interesting that many times people say yes. Now, I don't, can't judge the man's heart for a final judgment. So I, I don't know. I don't know if his genuine with his response or if it was a demon possession because the demons know jesus too right we need to understand that the demons know jesus too but the lord was like offer this man prayer pray for him and so i offered him prayer and prayed for him and just thought it was cool that uh he he went on with his old thing and kind of left us talking about he was going to go where was he going to go italy Italy. (laughs) he was going to go to italy or ireland because you know out here it was not working for him and, you know, we, we, we pray for the man, you know, but uh, it, it was a it was a small microcosmic picture of in this little armpit of a city called Milpitas. There are many people that are hurting that need help. Amen. Extreme help. We've seen another homeless lady that looked like she had been homeless for a long period of time. Uh, we didn't talk with her because just the way circumstances were, it, it didn't allow it. But you see it all around. And even the people that were cleanly dressed. The lady walking a beagle. Beagle came up to us, was sniffing Daniel, trying to get my cookie. I don't know. That woman, though she looks the part, though she looked put together, though the dog looked cute, I don't know if that woman is saved, right? And so that's kind of the approach we need to take when we engage with people on a daily basis. Because I just thought, I just want to share that because the Lord pro- provides opportunities. Amen. He provides opportunities every day. The, 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 the question is, are we ready? Are we willing to engage with humanity? Or are we, huh? as Lou was speaking yesterday, hey, you know what? <laughs> the, I don't want to say the powers that be. Maybe it is powers that be. Media, I'll say that, because that, that's what I know for sure. Media is just trying to scare everybody with everything. They're, they're trying to scare you today with this storm. Granted, use God-given sense. I think you're kind of foolish if you want to go out on a boat right now or if you want to go surfing or boogie boarding. There is a national weather alert. Don't do that. You're going to probably capsize. It's not going to be a good look. But we don't need to walk in fear, church. Amen. Greater who is he who lives in me than he who is in the world. That is truth. If you are, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you have humbled yourself... And you're allowing the Holy Spirit to come upon you to help you walk in obedience. See, humility is such a big thing. We don't want to humble ourselves in our natural state. If we do not humble ourselves, then that, 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 that promise is not for us. That promise is for those who have submitted and have submitted to that line of demarcation and have said, I will serve the King of kings and Lord of lords and not man. That song said, let me not lift my soul to another. What does that mean? It means exactly that. That I'm not going to praise and worship a man or a system or a culture, but I'm going to praise and worship the true and living God. And there are going to be clear markings upon my character, upon my life that can show you proof that I 
and serving the true and living God. And then that, that, that verse applies to you. Then you can call upon the name of Jesus Christ. And it may not happen in the way or the manner or the time in which you think it should happen, but he will come through. And that perfect love will cast out all fear. Amen? Sorry, so long-winded for that, but these are things I just felt led to share. It was a, it was a great week. There was a lot of good stuff going on. All right. Um, we're getting into Revelation. Uh, we're finishing up, I, I should say, excuse me, part two of the letter to the church of Smyrna. Not Smirnoff. <laughs> Smyrna. <laughs> Revelation chapter two, verses 10 and 11. That's where we're going to be this morning. So when you can, if you are able, bodied, please stand for the reading of God's word. We'll read these two verses. I'll pray and then we'll go ahead and get into our message. All right. Revelation chapter two, verses 10 and 11. And it says, Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested for 10 days. You will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death. And I, speaking of Jesus Christ, will give you the crown of life. Verse 11. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, thank you again for just your presence, Lord, through the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. We, we need you in our midst. Without the paraclete, we have nothing. Without the helper, who do we got? We got nothing at all. Jesus said, I go, but I send to you a helper, someone who will live in you, dwell in you, And we will be able to have discernment. We will be able to have wisdom, vision, direction. We'll be able to rightfully divide your word. And so we call upon you now, Lord, to speak to us through your word. We don't want to hear man's insight. We want to hear inspired by the Holy Spirit what your word says. Give us the ability to rightfully divide your word. Help us to see the insight. Help us to see the application. Because this is applicable to everyone in this room right now. Nobody can say, this is not for me. If we do, it's the pride in our hearts. May you break stony hearts this morning. May we be submissive. May we be receptive to see the benefit of submitting our lives before you, Father God. We thank you and love you. We pray this all in Jesus Christ's precious name. Amen. All right. So like I said, we're, we're getting off into this second letter uh, in the book of Revelation to the church of Smyrna. Last week we learned that peace with God through Jesus Christ and steadfast endurance and love will open up the door to true lasting blessings. That may come sometimes in some seasons of life in a monetary form, but it has nothing at all at the heart of it to do with anything monetary. It has everything to do with joy, peace, right? The ability to have no guilt, the ability to have no shame. We all know what it is to feel shame. Jesus Christ gave his life so that you and I don't have to experience shame anymore. You can shake the shame off your back, the monkey off your back, so to speak, because of what Jesus Christ has done. But again, it has to be you being convinced personally, not what your mama said, not what your grandma said, not what wifey said, not what your grandkids said, what you say, who you say Jesus Christ is to you. You make that choice, you will see those shackles just fall off. And it's up to you to stay out of those shackles. Amen. We learned that last week. We also learned that the Jews who persecuted these Christians in the early church of Smyrna were known as the synagogues of Satan. And they were the synagogues of Satan. That's what Jesus referred to them to because They said that they were followers of the Messiah, but they failed to see the Messiah was Jesus Christ himself. And they were hell bent on eradicating any person who wanted to affiliate themselves with Jesus Christ. But they claimed, again, to be followers of the Messiah because they were steeped in nationalism. They were steeped in their culture being elite because they were uh, children of Israel. But we all know if you reach through and study through the scriptures, Jesus is always talking about the, 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 
The circumcision is an inward circumcision. It's not the circumcision of a, of a child. We know that that was, a, that was something that they did to separate themselves from the pagan cultures and religions of that day. But you can be outwardly looking the part, but inwardly you're like a ravenous wolf. Your heart is disgusting. Your heart's decrepit. You're not right with God. So we know it has nothing to do with this. So whenever you come in this building, as long as we are here as this Brazilian Life Church, as long as the Lord is leading this church, I don't care how you come in here. You come in here in Birkenstocks. You come in here however you want. You come in here suited and booted in a three-piece suit. You come in here with Fendi. I don't care. What's up with your heart, though? Is God doing that work on the inner man, the inner woman, right? He's an interior designer. He cares about that. Because, again, as I talked about from the onset, as the word, I should say, talks about, it is out of the heart that the issues of life flow. We got to get that right. We get our belief system right. And this is for parents, grandparents, pouring into your children. Set the table correctly. When they get old, they're not going to depart. I don't care if they're a prodigal now. I don't care what they're going through now. But we have to set the proper example And the belief system is key. Again, I'm going to go back to the line of demarcation. I'm going to go back to the Bible. This has to be the ultimate authority in your life. If this book does not hold that place, you are in enmity against God, meaning you are in line to experience his wrath when that time comes. That means you are not a friend of God, but you are an enemy of God. And that shouldn't be so. His desire, what is this? What is it? Second Peter 3, 9. God's desire is that none perish, but that all come to repentance. Amen. His desire is that every one of his creation come to repentance. Why? Because he's like, I did not create the lake of fire for you. I created it for Satan and his little followers, all these little angels that became demons, fallen angels, because they decided, no, I'm not going to fall in line. I'm not going to submit. You see, again. We have to go before God in a manner that's worthy for him, and then we'll be accepted. That's something that I learned this week, again, in a deeper way, the difference between Cain and Abel. Abel came in a way that was acceptable to God. He gave God the sacrifice that he wanted. It was a prototype of Christ showing that blood must be shed. It was a work that was not done of his hands, right? In, in, in the sense that this is something that needs to be done, whereas Cain... He was a tiller of the ground and he cultivated something and he gave it to God because in his mind, he thought it should be accepted. Many times we come before God in the way we think we should come. And then we get rejected in the sense that he's like, I'm not okay with that. No, I'm not okay with you sleeping with your girlfriend saying you're a Christian. You ain't going to wife her up and you want me to bless you. I'm not going to bless you. You're cheating and lying on your taxes you cussing and hooting and hollering and drinking and smoking and doing gallivanting all throughout the town, but then you show up on Sunday trying to teach children's ministry. I'm not going to bless that. You see, we have to come in the manner that God wants, and then we'll receive the blessing. Amen? Amen. It's not you just come however you want. And see, Cain got upset. He got frustrated. He got ticked off, and so he killed his brother. That's what happens. We get frustrated. We get rejected. We get mad. We start lashing out. You start seeing people with this hostility built up in them, you got to ask the question, where down the line did you not get right with God and you were rejected? So now you're taking it out on yourself and other people. That's what happens. That's what happens. It's so true. Today, we're, we're, we're going to look at what, what actually is going to happen to this church of Smyrna and, and how Jesus Christ is encouraging them to be faithful unto death. The Lord reveals what the believers who remain faithful unto death will receive. He also shares what they're going to overcome. And this is a beautiful thing for us. This is the thing for us to, to take and hold on to because though we are not there in our culture yet, there is going to come a time where we are going to see heavy persecution as our brothers and sisters in other places around the world. And what, what are we going to do then? Are we going to be able to stand on the rock of Jesus Christ and say, this line of demarcation, I don't care. You could take my life. Or whatever, you can fight, you can fight, fight to the death, but it's like fight to the death knowing that you're not submitting or succumbing to uh, the enemy, to this world system, to a society that's been handed over to Satan and, and, and worldliness and, and, and all the things that, that don't honor God. All right, the first main point is this. 
Though you and I will go through seasons of suffering in this life, we need not be afraid. I would be straight up lying to you if I told you life is just peachy keen all the time. Life is a bed of roses. The Christian life, once you give your life to Jesus, oh man, you're going to get money. You might get a private jet. <laughs> you're going to be rolling in a benzo. You're going to marry a wife that just got a size, what I don't even know, is size three a thing? Maybe an anorexia. She never going to have a blemish. She ain't never going to have a wrinkle. Your husband just going to have, we talked about this, <laughs> eight-pack abs. We was talking about that yesterday, huh? <laughs> ain't none of us got no eight-pack abs. We just, they're body fat that just collects. You start getting older. You know, I'm 43. I may look like I'm slim with underneath this, you know, sweatshirt, but, you know, <laughs> it, it don't happen like that, right? Real life sets in. The Christian is not exempt from the problems and the stresses of this life. You're going to go through things. There are going to be times where fear is going to try to set in. And it's real stuff that, yeah, it's going to make you afraid. In our, in our human uh, standpoint, they're fearful. When you get that call, oh, you got stage four cancer. You ain't got much to live. Or, oh, oh your child just got in a you know, car accident and they don't look like they're going to make it. Or the bank calls and it's time to repossess your home. You're late. Or the place you're renting, oh, you know what? Uh, we got bought out, so you got 30 days and you got to move out. You got to find somewhere else to live. What? You know, fear can easily set in. But you see, if we are connected to Christ, we have the ability to, to not live in fear and not be stuck in fear. You see, because that's what Satan wants. Satan wants you and I to be stuck in fear, especially if he, if he knows that we're saved. This is for saved people right now, what I'm about to say. He cannot do anything about your salvation, but he can try to render you uh, to be ineffective for the kingdom of God. And one easy way he, he, he uses, one trick he uses to keep a Christian ineffective for the kingdom of God is he tries to impose fear, intimidation. If you don't know the word good and you don't know your Lord good, you're going to run around in fear all the time. You're going to run around living in fear over every little thing that goes on in your life. You need not live that way, especially if you're a Christian. If you're not saved, I get it. Yeah, you're going to be in fear. I don't know how people who aren't Christians watch the 10 o'clock news on KTVU and don't go drink some vodka after watching it because there ain't nothing but bad stuff on there day in, day out, every day, and they start at 4. Who wants to watch that from 4 to 11 and then go throw in some Dawson's Creek? Trying to keep it cool. That's not how it works. But that, you see, that's how they try to play us. We need to be in the word so we don't have to live afraid. You see, fear, the definition of fear is this. An unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat. Notice that the definition, the unpleasant emotion is brought about by one's belief. I said this earlier. You have to decide what you believe. It's not this one foot in, one foot out. Lord willing, we're going to get there. We're going to talk about the church of Laodicea. Lukewarm. Unless you've got some issue with your stomach, nobody likes drinking lukewarm water. It better be warm or it better be cold. Lukewarm. What did Jesus say? He said, I'm about to vomit you out of my mouth because you can't decide what you are. It's better off that you just be a non-believer. Then be up in the church claiming to be a Christian, but yet you're not following Christ. We have to decide. You see, fear is based on your belief about it. Where, what is your belief about fear? I already said, or I shouldn't say I, the Bible already said, 1 John 4, 4, he who lives in me is greater than he who lives in the world. 1 John 4, 18, perfect love casts out all fear. Perfect love is Jesus Christ. He Cast out all fear. We've already used the analogy many times. Turn off, uh, you know, this. if we go in this room and it's dark, you flicker on those lights, the electricity comes on and fear, va the, the, the darkness vanishes. It's the same thing with the unclean spirits. It's the same thing with fear. It has to go when the light's on the scene. When Jesus is on the scene, they have to go. They have to obey. They have to submit. It is the name of Jesus Christ. It is the person of Jesus Christ that holds all power and authority in his hand. And those feelings and those emotions have to submit. I had a situation with my daughter. 
uh, Wednesday, I think it was Wednesday, and uh, my wife, something nutty was going on with our AT&T service, and, you know, they keep charging us, we're racking up all this data, we're like, what the heck, we're barely even using it. And so she had to go through the whole rigmarole, going to the place, called them before, then finally got on the phone another day with another specialist. And they're like, oh, well, just get a unlimited data <laughs> and you're good to go. We're like, the point is, I want to know why this is going on. So all this is happening. My wife's on the phone downstairs and uh, I need to help my daughter. My son's wilding out. She's screaming like a banshee. I don't know what's going on. It comes when she goes number two. She don't want me changing her. She had uh, running around doing whatever not to be changed. It got to the point I just had to swoop her up, take her to the room. It was so bad, y'all. I'm not even playing. I had to say, in the name of Jesus Christ, I bind whatever unclean spirit is messing with you, messing with this child. Instantly when I said that, she stopped. Instantly when I said that, she stopped. She looked at me and she smiled. May not believe me. It's real. It happened just like that. Some unclean spirit was messing with that little baby. Could have been her flesh too, but all I know is I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, I bind you. And it went away. All that to be said is fear has to go. When you're a true believer of Jesus Christ and you call upon the name of Jesus, it's gone. It ain't no magical formula. (laughs) You don't want to get your butt whooped, be naked, trying to use Jesus Christ's name, and you ain't a follower. We know the Bible already talks about that. When I'm talking about true, real believers, it is power, absolute power in Jesus Christ, and he can help you to not live in fear. It's also you can praise him and worship him and honor him, not because I just don't live in fear. See, we miss the point if we're just stuck on fear. It's about honoring and worship and praising him because he's worthy of it, because he's worthy of it, because he has full control over all situations. This is why Jesus told the church of Smyrna not to fear what they were going to go what they were going to have to suffer. Excuse me. Jesus knows that suffering is infinite, like the keys on a piano. You can only play so many notes. You can only play so many chords. You can do different variations, but you only can play so many because the notes are, are finite. Fear is finite. Suffering is finite, but he is not. He's infinite. You see, when we learn to take Jesus Christ at his word and trust in him, we are always going to end up victorious no matter what our current circumstances look like. Amen? Take heart in that this morning. Take solace in that. If nothing else that you get from this message, take that. But if you trust in Jesus Christ and take him at his word, no matter, you may have to go through some difficult, you will have to go through some difficult times, but you're going to end up on top in the end. Amen? Amen. The second point is this. As believers in Jesus Christ, we are called to be faithful unto death. Notice that the text doesn't say, be perfect and never sin. Some churches teach that. Oh, you've got to be immaculate. Oh, you've got to come like this. Oh, you've got to break off this amount of bread. We got, <laughs> we're going to hand around the plate a couple times in one service. Oh, you've got to be slain in the spirit. Oh, you've got to speak in tongues. Man, oh, you can't have a beard. You can only have a mustache. I've been to those churches. Trust me. Crazy. All y'all man-made rules and regulations trying to make us feel guilty and bad. No. The text doesn't say be perfect and never sin. We know that that's impossible this side of heaven to live like that. So what does Jesus mean when he commands the church of Smyrna to be faithful unto death? Well, remember the church of Ephesus? What did Jesus command them to do? Return to your first love. That's what he said. He said, return to your first love. You've left your first love. Return to me. Speaking of Jesus Christ. Essentially, what Jesus is telling the church of Smyrna is remain in your first love. Remain in me. Remain faithful to me. No matter you have people trying to persecute you, throw you in jail, even try to take your own very life. Remain faithful to me. Don't fall off. Don't fall away. Remain connected to the vine. We know that, right? It's a beautiful parable. He is the vine. We are the branches. We've been grafted into the vine. Without the vine, branches can't produce fruit. We are just the vine. That's another call to don't be thinking too highly of yourself. Not connected to Jesus Christ, you're rendered useless. That's another nugget that I'll give you that I was reminded of this week is that the call upon one's life, the gifting upon one's life are irrevocable. God has given every single one of you specific gifts and specific plans for your life. 
He will see those things through. What is revocable is his anointing. He can take that anointing off of your life and you're going to be rendered useless. I don't care about what God-given gifts you've been given. You may work in them and you may have certain people who do not know the truth of who Jesus Christ is deceived thinking that, oh, you're moving. And some churches operate in that. Oh, they're big. Oh, they got this ministry. They got that ministry. Oh, you know, they got the merry-go-round for the kids and everybody thinks it's, it's legit. Doctrine ain't right. People are operating in their own way. They're a headless church. They are not following the unction of the Holy Spirit. They're not even listening to the Holy Spirit. They're so disconnected from Jesus Christ. They have the giftings. They have the callings. The anointing's not there. So you got a church that's packed. Everybody living like hell. Everybody living like hell. Nobody honoring God. But yet because our church is big, and I'm not knocking all big churches. I'm just saying it goes like that because there's small churches like that too. And they think, oh, we're small and we're all legit. Same thing going on. It's a heart condition. It's a heart condition. Where is our heart with the Lord? Allow him to seek and search out your heart. That's what we're supposed to be doing when we take communion. Not just running up in there, trying to get that cracker. My son does it, trying to run up and get that cracker, trying to get that juice. It's allow the Lord to search your heart. Let him funnel through what's going on in your life. What happened this week? What do I need to repent of? What do I need to be corrected of? Then get right. And then it's like, oh, I can partake in that and not, not feel guilt, not feel ashamed. You know, you know, sometimes some people don't go to the communion table that are Christians is because they just they, they haven't done business with the Lord. They haven't done the business with the Lord. You know, the Bible talks about when we take those elements in an unworthy manner, we bring judgment upon ourselves. And I think we don't teach that enough in church that. Get right before God before you do something. It's the same principle as don't bring your offering to the Lord if you've got an issue with your brother or sister. Get right with those people, then bring it. Because he don't care about the money. I mean, the widow with the little mite, <laughs> if she gave more than all these Pharisees dumping out everything, like Scrooge McDuck, bars of gold, he's like, I don't care about the money. It's the heart. That little old lady came with the right heart. I'm going to receive her. I'm going to receive her offering. And it's so much greater than all these men that are pompous and I'm so spiritual and I'm so high and I know Jesus and you don't because I have the bloodline of Israel. I'm from the line of Jacob. What does that mean if your heart's not right? What does that mean if you're not communing with God on a daily basis? It means nothing. We stay in Christ. This is the application. We stay in Christ by reading the word daily, meditating on the meaning of the words of God, praying throughout the day, not being on your knees, because that's another pompous thing. Yes, there are times for that. Just because you're on your knees does not mean you're praying to God. Prayer is hearing and speaking to God. If the word says pray without ceasing, what does that mean? I'm on my knees all day long? I can't do that. You know, unless I'm some kind of construction worker where I'm just making concrete, I can't do that. So it's not that. So it's clearly the communion between you and God. Fellowshipping with other believers. That's th- these are all ways of how we remain faithful and remain connected to Jesus Christ. And this one is, is extremely important, repenting and getting back up when we fall. You see, many times when Christians get knocked down, some of us, we just stay down. We're like, oh, man, it's too hard. It's too hard. You know, that's what I was, I'm not saying that's what's happening with my coworker, but that's what I was trying to impress upon him. I can't imagine the grief that you've, you felt when your father died, but you're going to get up. You got to get up. You got to move forward. You can't, you can't hold on to that forever because all of us are going to die one day. And, and what, what, what is the most important thing is who do we say Jesus Christ is before we die? And who is he to us? That's the most important. But we get up when we fall. Instead of being like a, 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 a boxer who has had enough and just, he just, he's, he's done. He throws in the towel. He does not want to go another round because he's done. We can't be like that. We need to get up off the mat. Maybe today you're on that mat. You're on that canvas. You got knocked down. It's time to get up in Jesus' name. Amen? The third point is this. Those who remain faithful unto death will not be hurt by the second death. Okay, so what we need to understand before we even get into all this is what is the second death? I thought, wait, second death? I remember the first time I heard that, I'm like, dude, what are y'all talking about, man? First, y'all talk about drinking blood and eating flesh because I had no idea of what the Lord's Supper was. And then I hear things like the second. I'm like, dude, I'm going to die one time. 
<laughs> what are you guys talking about? Second death. This is why I'm not a Christian. You guys are all whacked out. You guys are a cult. That's how I used to think because I, I was spiritually blind. I had no understanding of what the word really meant. And there's many people like that today. They, they just do not understand. They have to be shown the truth by the unction of the Holy Spirit and by faithful Christians who will come alongside them and lovingly show them what the scriptures mean. You see, the second death is a reference to the lake of fire where those who are separated from God forever because of their sins, that's where they're going to be. That's what the second death is. You don't want to experience a second death. There's weeping. There's gnashing of teeth. It's a Christless eternity. Right now, if you're not saved, you have the opportunity to get right with God. It ain't about raising your hand. It ain't about none of that. It's just about you and the Holy Spirit and you accepting Christ in your heart. It's a personal thing. It's something very private. It becomes public once you profess that. But it's a supernatural act. That happens when you acknowledge your sin, your wickedness before God, and I can't do it without you. Please save my soul. And he does that work that only he can do. You see, this judgment was recorded in Scripture as a warning to unbelievers to seek the salvation that Jesus Christ provides. The coming judgment should also challenge us as believers to share our faith. You know, that's the whole reason why you're still alive, right? You're not alive so you can collect on your 401k and take your dream cruise to Alaska. I mean, that's just all side nuggets. But that's not the basis of why you're still here. Even if your tent's all beat up, battered and bruised. Oh, man, I'm ailing this. I'm aching this. I can't. You know, you're alive because the Lord wants to be glorified through your life by you living a holy life before him and before man. And by sharing the truth of who Jesus Christ is to the people in your sphere of influence. So that others may have a chance to get saved like you. So that others may be able to experience salvation that you already have. And when the Lord's done with you, he's going to say, hey, come home. Come rest. Come have peace with me. Come, come commune with me forever and eternity. And no more tears. No more pain. No more sorrow. No more, no more uh, disagreements. No more, no more of, uh, of being, you know... Let down when people don't come through and don't keep their word. There's be no more of that. You can be at peace with him forever. But while we're here, remember, folks, we are in a spiritual battle. There is spiritual warfare going on right now. All the little knick-knack, ticky-tacky things Michelle was talking about, don't think for a second that ain't warfare. I remember when I went to my, you know, my, one of my older brothers is a pastor up in Portland. And this was when Kalos was real young. We went up there and I don't know if it was the smells of perfume because, you know, they're kind of like one of them southern churches and they'd be getting down and this and that. And the ladies dressing all nice and this and that smelling all like whatever they smell. And there's too much going on. And my son said, oop. <laughs> and he just threw up all over the place. And my brother's up there preaching. He's seen that his wife went swooped up like they did it before. Swooped him up, took him downstairs, got him all cleaned up, didn't miss a beat. And that's exactly what he said. He said, Satan will do anything to try to get you off what's going on. Try to distract you. Oh, that cute little baby threw up. Oh, my gosh. We got to stop service. And we, we ain't stopping no service. Get that baby cleaned up. It's all good. We're going to keep going. But something, someone innocent, pure like that little baby, even though, you know, they're full of sin, even though they look cute. <laughs> the enemy will try to use that to get you off of what's going on. So we need to understand and remember, folks, we're in spiritual warfare. And we fight with the sword of the spirit, we fight by keeping the armor of God on, which is really Jesus Christ, his whole character, keeping him on, keeping the word in us deep down, understanding the word and, and fighting this battle on our knees in the sense of it's prayerfully fought. That's how we combat the enemy. That's how we combat Satan. You don't like the state of our country? Pray about it. Now, many times we complain about things, but we ain't praying about it. We need to be prayerful, prayed up about every single thing. The word says, pray about everything. Worry about nothing, pray about everything. Philippians 4, 6. I love that verse. Tell the Lord what you need and thank him for all he has done. Glorify God in all he has done. Tell him what you need. Pray about it. See if he won't come through. Man, we serve a good God. We serve a mighty God. He'll do the unthinkable. He'll give you far beyond what you asked for. Man. And then you're like, I just give you all the glory so much more. I can sit back and, you know, I just got peace about it. Lord, you're so awesome, Lord. You fight my best. It's not even my battle. It's his battle. He's like, this is between me and Satan. You choose your side. Line of demarcation. All again, it's a line of demarcation. We need to decide who do we stand with? Who do we stand for? 
You see, there's a vast difference between the final destination for those who know Christ and those who do not. If we remain faithful unto death, we do not need to fear the second death. But it's all interconnected, right? It's all interconnected to Jesus Christ flowing from him, flowing from his finished work on the cross. You see, if you've truly accepted Jesus Christ as your savior, you're going to remain faithful unto death. You're going to have bumps and bruises. There's going to be moments where you're like, man, I'm going through it. But you're going to remain faithful because you're true. You're faithful. It's already on you. The calling's on you. The anointing's on you. It hasn't been lifted. You know, and you remaining faithful, that signifies your obedience to him and your allegiance to him. It's not that your obedience saves you. Rather, your obedience is a mark of your salvation found in him. It's a beautiful thing. All right. Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. It's crazy. You can exacerbate these these verses for like weeks on end like a little bit of time on sunday i'm i just it just not does not do the word justice (laughs) revelation chapter 2 verse 10 do not fear what you are about to suffer behold the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested for 10 days you will have tribulation be faithful unto death and i will give you the crown of life again he's just basically telling them stop being afraid You see, the Christians at Smyrna suffered under persecution and they were afraid. Sometimes we think that these Christians that are persecuted heavily, like they're just they're just super strong Christians and uh, they don't get afraid. The reality is, no, they get afraid. You know, when you're over in the Middle East and they're like, oh, you choose Christ. okay, get on your knees. I'm chopping off heads. And that goes on. It goes on real bad. Remember a couple years ago, somewhere in Egypt, that's what they did. They said, you're professing Christ. okay, well, let's chop you up. Because we're a Muslim country. We don't do all that. (laughs) You know, they think America is Satan. That's how convoluted and messed up their understanding of things are. And this is true, factual facts. I'm not making it up. It ain't some opinion. This is real. This is how they view the extremists in those countries. That's how they view Christianity and Americans. So we don't face that kind of persecution. But this is what was going on in Smyrna. Right? Jesus understood the depth of their fear that they struggle with. And he said, do not fear. He's trying to encourage them. You see, there were things that they were about to suffer. And Jesus wanted them to be ready to stand against those things. I have a question for you this morning. What are things trying to strike fear in you? What are things that are trying to strike fear in you this morning? Is it the civil unrest that our country is facing? Is it this unstable economy Is it this pandemic or whatever this is that keeps on lingering and lingering and we're still stuck up in here, especially in Santa Clara County? They're not budging on this whole situation. Is it different countries on the brink of war and the rumors of war? What's trying to impose fear into your mind this morning? We have to settle that with the Lord so we can be free of it. He goes on, Jesus speaking of him, saying that Satan is going to throw them into prison. Here, Jesus described the the, the nature of the persecution that would come against the Christians of Smyrna. They would be imprisoned for a specific period of time. He says, you're going to have tribulation for 10 days. 10 days, they're going to go through this. This is very important to note because notice the persecution about to come against the Christians of Smyrna was first from the devil. Okay. At the same time, it was measured and limited by God. Surely the devil wanted to imprison these people for a longer period of time, but God put a cap on it. He put a limit on it. He said, 10 days, you're going to experience tribulation in this fashion, in this form. The application is this. The Lord is in full control no matter what, even the difficult circumstances that he allows. All you have to do is look back at Job. Look at Job's life. I couldn't even imagine being like that and then, it's like, what? All, all, all of this uh, wealth that you've given me is all destroyed. You, all of my children are taken. Those that are closest to me, they're accusing me of sinning. And then my wife's telling me I better curse God and die. What? What? And you're telling me to rejoice? You're telling me I'm going to be blessed? But you see, the Lord had a purpose and a plan for all that. And what happened? We know the story Everything was restored to Job tenfold. And Job even got checked in that because he thought he was sinless. And the Lord had to say, hold on, buddy, slow your roll. Don't come questioning me about what's going on. Understand that I'm doing a work in and through you, even despite all of this 
difficult things you're going through. And it still worked out. You see, it is through difficult circumstances that we are molded more into the image of Jesus Christ. It doesn't come any other way, folks. It doesn't. We don't, we don't work well when everything just goes fine. We have to have those benchmarks, those reminders of difficulty. Because it, makes, it forces you to run back to Christ. Because you know what happens when everything is peachy keen all the time? We turn our backs. We say, I, don't, I, I got this, Jesus. I, I don't really need you no more. I don't need to be in my prayer closet as much. I don't need to be in the word as much because I got all this dough. I got this beautiful wife. I got this big house. I got this fancy job. I got my family. My, my quiver's full. What do I need? And the Lord's like, no, I'm going to shake you up. Because you done forgot your first love. You thought it was you. It was never you. It was me working through you. And I'm going to get glory no matter what. So that's why we have to understand these things happen. Going through the refiner's fire is good for you. It's good for me. How else is the sludge and the grit and the grime and the yuckiness of sin going to come out of us unless the Lord allows us to go through the refiner's fire? Just like gold, right? It's purified. He's only going to take you out that fire until he finally sees his reflection in you fully. And that's going to be manifested and made, obviously, in heaven when we go to be with him. So just be sure we keep it real in this church. You're going to go through the refiner's fire for the rest of your life. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Just learn to trust God and and, and appreciate him walking with you through the fire. Amen. That way you, you just have a better perspective about going through difficult times. Um, normally back then when you were thrown into prison it, it, it wasn't like we're going to reform you <laughs> we're throwing you into prison and you're waiting to be executed and that's about it it's either we throw you into prison and you get executed or we're just going to execute you on the spot that's how it was and so this is what these, the, these Christians were going through at this time nowadays we're seeing this in our own culture. It's starting to become unpopular to be a Christian. It's not like it was 30, 40 years ago where you could profess Christ and, you know, typically many people on your block were, were Christians. They professed. We, we you know, we, we once, we printed, and they still print it, but we have it printed on our money in God we trust. The founding fathers really believed that. We've strayed from that. It's still on our money. But you see, all these Christian, Jewish, Judeo-Christian principles, we're strayed away from. We've strayed away from. And so it's unpopular now to be a Christian. But we are not accustomed to this kind of persecution where it's like straight up you're in prison. Straight up you're going to die for your belief. Um, You know, sometimes we we think... uh, (laughs) We think we're bearing our cross for Christ because we have a headache or, you know, Lou's tired. I, I was sharing with Lou like, man... Going through it, doing this, doing that. I had to do laundry Friday. I do this, do that. The kids going crazy. It's like that's not persecution. That's just you. That's just responsibility. That's just being a parent. That's just being a good parent. Do deal with it. The babies would take care of themselves if they could, but you, the adult, do it. That's not persecution. That's not bearing your cross. And we mix all that up. Any little oh, owie. Oh, no. Come on now. You know. That's just real life. Again, we're not exempt just because we're saved. We're going to go through difficult times. It's just part of life. The good thing is we have Christ with us. Again, the tribulation that they're going to face was a limited time. This again shows that God is sovereign over all things and that he holds the parameter of what's going to happen and how long it's going to happen. Just like everyone's asking, well, when's Jesus coming back? I thought he's real. Oh, just you wait. You you alive long enough, you're going to see him come back. He's going to come back. Ain't going to be no joke if you don't know him. But he said this is all so they may be tested. This attack comes from the devil. And they needed to be tested. It was because there was a purpose in their suffering. So God allowed it. Uh, 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7 says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the testing... geniuses for your faith genuineness excuse me of your faith more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire that you may be found to 
result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Again, I alluded to this a minute ago. The refiner's fire. These things are imperative for us as believers. It helps us to become more like Christ. In all ages, the blood of martyrs, people that have died for Christ, has been a seed for the church. We know that the church flourishes when persecution comes. When real persecution comes. More people are birthed into Christ. They accept Christ because this is the means in which the Lord uses to build his church. One means is persecution. The application is this. God allowed this attack so that they may be tested in the sense of being proven. What you and I go through proves that we are faithful followers of Jesus Christ. Through their suffering, God displayed the true riches of the church of Smyrna to everyone, including themselves even though he already knew that they were already rich. Remember, we talked about that last week. Even though they were poor financially, they were rich. They were rich spiritually. They were rich in their heritage with Christ, knowing that they truly walk with the Lord. And it wasn't necessarily because of their nationality. Many of those people were Gentiles. But it's because the connection they had with Jesus, and it was genuine. God also is interested in testing us. We may not have the same opportunities to suffer for Jesus that these Christians in Smyrna did, but we can have their same heart. We, we may not be in a, in, a, in a place to die a martyr's death, but we can all live a martyr's life. Sadly, many Christians avoid persecution of any kind. They don't want any confrontation. They just want to play it safe. They want to just be in their little bubble and be okay. And that's not the way it should be. This wasn't the case for the Christians in Smyrna. They were tested and they passed the test. James chapter 1, verse 3 says, For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. So just trust that this testing is a part of God's process for you to be more sanctified and you become more like his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. He says, Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. You see, what Jesus said to this church is more important than what he didn't say. Or what he didn't say is also important. He didn't give a single rebuke to this church, but he did say, you will receive this promise, a crown, an encouragement to be faithful unto death. This was a beautiful thing. Uh, they, were, they would have been associated with crowns because they knew back then when athletes would run the race, they would get the wreath, they would get the crown, right? Even in this church of Smyrna that was very anti-God and, and full of idolatry, many of the false gods that they worshipped, they all had crowns. They all wore crowns. So they were, uh, they were observant of this. They would have been aware of this. Jesus uses this description because he wants his people to understand you will get a crown, but you will get a crown that won't wither and fade away. That, that little... A little green cloak, that little flowery thing that goes on the heads of the athletes who win, it withers and dies. You buy a new Christmas tree, it's cool for a couple weeks, it withers and dies. That's why we make fake ones, so they stay, <laughs> so they stay nice. But, but you see, the crown that you're going to receive, the crown that I am going to receive, it's never going to wither, it's never going to die. It's eternal, it's forever. It's truly Christ himself. He is our crown. He is our glorified uh, uh, God, and he will give of himself to us by our faithfulness to him it's a beautiful thing jesus's champions will receive the crown of life and that's something to look forward to this morning maybe you're going through something and you're like man lord i just want peace i just want i, I just want to be with you hold on steadfast knowing that you're going to receive that crown of life at the proper time the people that have gone on before us they've received their crown of life you're going to receive your crown of life when it's your time amen all right, last verse, Revelation 2.11. He says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit has to say to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. He who hears. Once again, this is a call to the church to hear what the Holy Spirit says. You see, it is critical that you and I pay attention to what the Holy Spirit is telling us, how he is directing us. You see, because sometimes we're just busybodies and we're just doing stuff. We're like, I'm a Christian. I got to go run and feed the homeless. I got to go pray over this person. I got to go, you know, lay hands on this person and cast out this demon and do this and that. But it's like, did the Lord call you to do all that? Feeding the homeless is good. But did the Lord call you to feed those homeless people right then, right then, right there in that location? Or are you just going off on a whim because you're like, I just need to go. We're not made right by God by what we do. We're made right by God by what Jesus did. Then out of that is the outflowing of good works that come. 
We talked about this yesterday morning with the men. Sometimes when we go clean up people's messes, we actually hinder the work of the Holy Spirit because some of those people need to go through difficult times in order for them to go through it. They have to go through their own refiner's fire, and here you are cleaning up their butt, wiping up their mess. They're never going to learn. And that's why you have to use discernment. When do I do this? Who do I do this to? How do I do it? Not, I'm going to just go. You can't save everybody. You can't save anybody. But you can live right and give people the truth. And then you'll know it's the truth because they're going to probably be like, I don't want to hear it. But you need to hear it. I'm going to be the only person to tell you the truth. I'm speaking of, you know, in your circumstance, whoever you're talking to. Because everyone else is pumping up, or pumping them up or telling them, no, you don't got a problem. But you, led by the Holy Spirit, would be the only one to say, hey, let me pull you aside. I see the things you're doing. I see the things that you're involved in. And it's not a good look, man. You're really messing yourself up. And you got to get right. You got to change. You got to take responsibility for your family. You got to whatever it is. You, you got to do these things because you're falling off, man. And see, that's why we have to be led by the Holy Spirit. We can't just go doing works thinking that we're, we're blessed by the Lord and we're blessing people. Sometimes we're messing people up more because, again, I talked, I talked about it. It sounded like, a, it's like I was from Boston. I talked about it. <laughs> Super wicked. <laughs> no, nah, whatever. That was a corny joke. But, you know, again, the giftings and the anointing won't leave us. I mean, excuse me, the giftings and the call won't leave us, but the anointing can we want to make sure whatever we do, we're anointed by God in all we do. Oh, man, I, I need the anointing of God to, to be a good husband to my wife, to be a good uh, a godly example for my kids, to be a good godly uh, brother to my, to my brothers in Christ, to, to be an under-shepherd of this church. I can't be up here speaking if I don't have the anointing. It's worthless. It's pointless. What are we doing here if we're not following the Holy Spirit? We have to. We can do all these different things for Jesus Christ, but be doing them in our own strength. And then we wonder why he's not blessing what we have done. Matthew chapter 7, verses 22 down through 23 says, On that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. You workers of lawlessness. That's so sad. That like that. I'm not excited to share that. That that grieves my heart. That makes me question, Lord, what am I doing? That's what that should do. What are we doing? Are we not questioning, Lord? Am I doing the right thing? Am I really following you? This is serious business, church. We have to. We have to be super set on. I need to be led by the Holy Spirit. Because then you're going to be free. You're not going to have guilt. You're not going to have shame. You're going to have joy and peace knowing that what you're doing is exactly what you're supposed to be doing. And can't nobody get you off that. I don't care what they say. You're like, no, I heard from the Lord. This is what I'm doing. You know, I've learned that a long time ago. Can't please everybody. There's things that have to be done. And you have to have that personal conviction. Not being prideful, because that's a whole other thing. People are like, oh, we're doing this. It's like, dude, you just leading the church the way you want to lead it because you think that's what you're supposed to do. But other people, you know, two or more witnesses are telling you, hey, right? <laughs> Nobody wants to comply. If I'm ever like that, you got to pull me aside so we can get it right because that's not, that's not the way that this church is supposed to operate. All right, lastly, I'm going to share this little story. Um, Daniel's not here. He's remote, but I'm sure he knows about uh, Polycarp. Polycarp. If I'm saying his name correctly, he was the, uh, the pastor at the church of Smyrna. And uh, it's a remarkable example of, of the persecution uh, and also the courage of the early church. You see, the year after Polycarp returned from Rome, there was a great persecution that came upon the Christians at Smyrna. Obviously, that's what the word of God says. His congregation urged him to leave the city be- until the threat blew all over. Like, just get out of here, man. Just, we don't want you to get caught up in this. And so believing that God wanted him to be around for a few more years, Polycarp left the city and hid out in a farm, you know, property belonging to some Christian friends. Meanwhile, the chief police issued a warrant for his arrest and they they seized Polycarp 
his servants and they tortured the servants. You know, how, how they tortured them, I don't know. I, I heard, you know, it's pretty crazy. The Romans did some grotesque things. You know that one thing they did. I'll share this little tidbit. It's crazy. They would bind a dead corpse to a live person and that would be punishment as a way to kill the living person. And eventually that living person would die of the stench of the nastiness of a corpse you're attached to. <laughs> I mean, this is the stuff that went on. And, and I know nothing is new under the sun, but that just gives you an idea of whatever torture that these servants were going through. They were doing something bad to them. When the soldiers finally found Polycarp, they were embarrassed to see that they came to arrest some old frail man. Dude, I thought you were going to be a stud. You were just this old, ragged person. Like, what are you? You're no threat. Anyways, they try to persuade him. Hey, man, all you got to do is burn this, this little thing and, and, and praise Caesar and we'll let you go. Because they didn't want to kill him. They didn't want to kill him. They wanted to give this man a way out. And that was the way out. Worship Caesar. Don't worship God. Reject God. Denounce Jesus Christ and we'll let you live. Well, anyways, Polycarp refused and he was killed. The moral of this story is no matter what persecution we will face in this life as followers of Jesus Christ, if we remain faithful to the end, we will not be hurt by the second death. As the worship team, who is Michelle, <laughs> comes up. Hey, it's all good. <laughs> it's all good. I know I'm so, I'm so used to saying worship team, but it is the worship team. You know, like I said, this, I'll share that real quick too because it's, it's true. That acapella, it, it got raw. It got real. Again, we can't hide behind anything when it's real like that. It's the Lord. And the Lord wanted that to happen, to usher in whatever he's trying to do within our hearts this morning. But uh, the whole point of Jesus' sacrifice, sacrificing his life on the cross, was to spare people from the second death. We know this verse, John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That could never get old and crusty to us. If that gets old and crusty, it's our hearts that are old and crusty. That is so real and vibrant and alive. That's the whole point. Today, if we are saved, may we remain faithful unto the end so that we may not only be spared from the second death, but so that we also may be used to alert others. And bring others along as well so that they may be blessed and receive true salvation in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord God, for just uh, your, your involvement in our lives. We don't have to do life alone. We don't have to try to be wise enough or smart enough. We don't have to, you know, be jeopardy wise to try to get through this life. We can just be good old who we are, trusting in Jesus, basic and simple, knowing that we don't have it in us, but you have it in you, and that we pray to you, and that that prayer is activated by your response. Your power comes into us when the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us. And Lord, we thank you that you've saved our souls. And for those who are on the fence, Lord, I pray that you would convict, that you would urge that individual or those individuals to turn to you, to truly trust in you, to, to see the great life that you have in store for them, even here on earth. They could live in such peace and joy despite all of the hectic chaos, but it only comes from a personal relationship with your son, Jesus Christ. May you be honored and glorified forever and ever. We thank you and love you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen.